to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. So the first 11 verses, we will start there. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you, for you it is safe. Beware of dogs and beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through the faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God, from God by my, by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain the resurrection of the dead. And so as we've moved on, the first two chapters, we've kind of talked through this and Paul, we know, is writing to the church in Philippi and Again, we've discussed over the last several weeks how, how great he loves this church. I mean, this is a church that he started. This was the first church that was in Europe. Um, and in his chains, he, he says, hey, look, I'm, I'm in bondage right now in Rome. And I, my chains are because of my faith in Christ. And I, that's, But my chains aren't by Caesar or by somebody else. My chains are actually because Christ wants me here. And I'm fine with that. You know, and I'm fine to know that, hey, these chains that I've got on me right now and I'm in prison is only because Christ has led me to this spot. And I'm fine with that. And he asked them also to continue to, to walk in their own walk. And we talked about this last, last week is to imitate yourselves in, in humility like Christ did. Remember, we talked a couple of weeks ago about the fact that Jesus is God. You know, again, he wasn't, he wasn't created in Bethlehem. It wasn't at that point that Jesus was, oh my goodness, Jesus is here. No, Jesus is from the beginning of time. He has deity. He's he's God. And so, yes, it kind of it's a mind warp to kind of think that there's three gods, but they're one God. How does all that work out? And and I sincerely don't have enough time to do that because I'm trying to get through the eleven verses. But we talked about just the deity of who Jesus was. He was there at the very beginning. He helped create everything. He he was you know the Word became flesh, and that flesh was Jesus. And the fact of, of the humility again of just, of understanding what Christ did for us is as he was a God, he moved, he stepped aside and, and moved all of his powers of Godhood. He was still God, but as a man, then he stooped himself down to even more to die for us, and then to die for us even on a cross, which was the most humiliating way to die. Christ was willing to do all of that. He was even willing to, to, to serve those that were around him. He was willing to wash the feet of the disciples. I mean, this is a man that showed just incredible humility. A God that would show such humility. 
We have people today that aren't willing to serve other people because of the color that they are, the socioeconomic background of who they are. They just feel richer than somebody else. They feel more righteous than somebody else. Well, I'm not going to go to those people because of this, whatever the reason. We've all got some kind of something within us that we look at somebody. And Paul says, no, don't, don't do that. And the humility that, that Christ showed for us is the same thing that we should show for others. And as Paul continues to, to move and he continues to talk to this church that he loves so much, I, I find it funny that he starts off in, in, in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Finally, my brethren. And I kind of laughed when I saw that because I'm like, he's halfway done with his his book and he's saying, finally. He sounds like a pastor, right? Like, hey, finally, my last point, you know, and you're like 20 minutes left in church. You're like, that's not going to happen. But Paul finally, and what he's doing is he's using that word there as a kind of a shift into what he's talking about. Because there's some, there's a warning that he has for this church. There's a warning, there's a concern that he has for them and saying, look, finally, look, let me get to the, this one thing I've got to tell you guys. He says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord for me to write the same things to you. It's not tedious, but it's safe for you. I, I rejoice in the Lord, guys. And I want to continue to encourage you to do that because, man, it, it's a great thing to just rejoice and be glad in Him. Rejoice in all the things that God has done for you and He's, He's, He's worked out so many wonderful things. Man, guys, rejoice in that. We're here today. We're, we're breathing air. We've got clothes on our backs. Most of us drove here in some way and fashion. Again, I go back to the Dominican Republic. I mean, there's, there's people in the Dominican Republic that just don't have those things. I told you a story a couple weeks ago, Jonathan, a few years back, of just watching two little kids with just a some kind of a bucket to walk down to go get water. And again, water I would never drink. You know, I mean, you'd have to boil that thing for like a half hour. I mean, there'd probably be no water left in there because you've boiled it so long. But that's the water they had that they're going down to get. So we in America, we sit here and we we come into a, a situation like this and we're like, oh man, woe is me. God doesn't love me. God's not looking out for me. I'm going through this struggle. And listen, we're going through struggles. I'm not diminishing the fact of what we're going through. Each one of us in this room is going through something. But rejoice in the Lord. God hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. He loves you. He cares for you. He's seeking out for you. He's He he loves you. You're the apple of his eye. So for Paul, he looks at it and says, for, the, for me to write the same thing to you, it's not tedious. I just want to encourage you guys. Man, continue to rejoice in the Lord. He moves on with his warning. and says, but beware of dogs and beware of evil workers and beware of the mutilation. And then the warning here is, is dogs. And you kind of, if you've been in those scripture for a long time, you know that that's kind of what the Jewish people would say towards the Gentiles. Oh, those dogs. You know, they would, they would refer to us as dogs. You know, again, dogs here in this country, we, we baby them probably better than our own kids. I mean, we can show you pictures of our dog that's laying on the love sack. I mean, he's, he's just suffering. You know, I mean, this dog has got better. He lives a life, better life than most of us do. And, and so we baby our dogs, but in certain parts, I mean, dogs are just vicious. You know, they come in and eat all the stuff that nobody else wants. They, they go out in packs and they're just, they're just kind of nasty. They're gnarly. So back in that time, to be called a dog is, is not something that you're like really happy of. I mean, it's, it's, it's a derogatory term. And so what Paul's doing is he's kind of turning it on them and, and calling those Jewish people the dogs. He's flipped it on them. 
He says, hey, beware of those dogs and, and beware of those evil workers, those, those morally of, of a mode of thinking and, and feeling and acting and, and they're, 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 they're basic. They're wrong. They're just wicked people. These workers that come in, they're just, they're just bad. Don't, don't just, don't, just beware of them and, and to beware of the, of the mutilators. And the mutilators here is, is kind of regarding of the, of the circumcision. And I joked on Tuesday night, you know, we, we have a men's study. The men's study was over there. Women's study was over here. And so we, <laughs> A real lively topic. We talked about circumcision. And so it was, um, you know, and for a guy study, it's even worse. You're like, why are we talking about this? I mean, is there something else that we can talk about, you know? And so the scripture I got, like, I got to say it like 20 times. I'm like, my goodness. And then he's like, hey, repeat this. And I'm like, again, you have to continue to say this? And he's like, why? Because I just studied this last night. I don't need to speak and think about it anymore. You know, I mean, again, it's not a very happy topic for most guys. The circumcision, as you guys know, it was instituted back in Genesis 17, 11, when, when God is talking to Abraham. And he says, I, I want you to be separated from the rest of the world, and I'm, I'm asking you to do this. I'm not going to go into what they did, okay? Just look that up on your own. But, but, but Abraham's a grown man. You know, it's different nowadays because, you know, your, your babies have it done, and, and they don't remember. I don't remember anything. Jonathan doesn't remember. I mean, you just don't remember that stuff, right? I mean, you were eight days old or whatever. It's a grown man, and he's asked to be circumcised, and he's like, yeah, God, I'll do it. Like, wow, that's dedication. I don't care what the rest you did the rest of your life, Abraham. That's the most impressive thing that I look at you as your faith in God. He just said, yeah. And then he looked at his servants and said, hey. And they're all like, we love you, Abraham. We're going to do it too. I mean, that's just, again, we just kind of look over this stuff and, and, and don't take in the fact of what these men did for their love of God. Abraham has it done, and then so now it needs to be performed on the eighth day. So you have a, a young man or that's born a baby, and on the eighth day, that's when the, the circumcision is done. And if they're not circumcised, those those men were to be cut off from their people. God says, "Look, it's so important that I want this done. I want you to be so separate from the rest of the world that if if if, if somebody doesn't do it, man, they're they're not to be here. They're not to be part of you." I know that they might be Jewish and they might be your brother, but they've they've got to go. And the reason being is I, I want I want to show the rest of the world, this group of people, my glory through them. And so I've separated you, and I'm asking you to separate yourself from the rest of the world by doing this. That's how important it is. Well, they took it as just an outward act of being able to show the rest of the world that we're so different from you. When God was saying, man, I really... I want to show that your heart is different than everybody else. That because we have such a relationship, my people and, and, and my, you're my, I'm your God. And, and so the, the relationship that we have together, man, your heart is different than the rest of the world and you're loving and you're caring. And you just, I, I want them to see that, but I want them to be able to notice it through a physical way. Well, the Jewish, Jewish nation took this upon and they, they had such pride in it. I mean, they were just, they would look at the rest of the world and go, no, those uncircumcised people. And just the pride would just drip from them and, and just, oh, you can't trust those people because they're not circumcised. They're not like us. They don't have a relationship with God like we do. And, and so they took it in on his pride and God was like, man, that's not really the, the thing that I wanted there. Just for instance of note for you guys, John the Baptist, we see it in Luke 1, and, and Jesus in Luke 2 were both circumcised as well. Just so you don't think, oh, we don't have two because those two guys weren't. They, they were. 
Well, then what happened is there's some some Judaizers in Acts 15. You'll see this. Paul comes against some Judaizers, and they were the Jewish legalists, and they, and they denied the gospel of grace, teaching that circumcision and keeping the law of Moses were necessary for salvation. And you, so we see this two thousand years later, and we're like, Kevin, what's the big deal? You know, I mean, what, what does all this stuff matter? Well, it mattered then. Because see, what they were trying to do is, is these Judaizers, they were looking at us Gentiles and going, whoa, 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 that's not fair. See, we had to go through some, some laws and we had to go through some stuff to be able to, to accept you. Well, that's not fair that you guys just get to walk in and be able to be accepted as, and accept Jesus as your savior. I had to work for mine. That's not, that's not right. And they, so they said, hey, you know what? That, that, that's not fair. You, what, you, you think that you're saved. What really has to happen is, man, I'm sorry, you're going to have to be circumcised, you know, and you got to follow some of these other laws and rules because otherwise you don't really have the the saving grace on that. And so see, these Judaizers, they missed the whole purpose behind what Christ did. Christ said, no, 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 that's not, I'm not here for that. I'm here to, I, I'm, I'm coming to the Gentiles because I, God loves the world that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's that's why I came. I came so that the whole world has an opportunity that you don't have to follow under these these laws and these these things. That, no, 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 I, I want to do away with all that. And Paul warns them to, to beware and, and says, no, no look, the, 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 don't worry about the flesh anymore. See, I've, I've, I've come against these guys before and I'm just telling you, you got to be careful. Don't allow them to infect your church and to come in and to change things and say, no, 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 you're not saved because you didn't do this. Well, he talks about it in Romans 25 or 2, 25 through 29. He says, for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps his, this, the righteousness requirements of the law, Will not this uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is an outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And the circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, not of the letter whose praise is that not from men but from God. And you say, Kevin, I have no clue what you just said. I mean, that's like, are you kidding me? How did you understand that? I, I, I didn't. I read a commentary. I'm just joking. No, you said, what he's saying is like, it doesn't matter what you do on the outside. Again, it's, it's a point of, Christian, where's your heart? Judaizer, where's your heart? You, where's your heart? See, I can do so many things on the outside of my flesh to make myself look like a Christian. I can make myself, I can sit there and I can, well, you know, look at my Bible. It's really worn. I mean, I, I use it a lot. I know some people don't. Theirs looks brand new, but you know, I use mine a lot and I've got, I've got highlights in here and you know, I really, I can't read Philippians out of my Bible because I've got so many marks in here. It's really hard to read, you know, so, so I, yours is probably not that way, you know. I mean, I can come up with so many different rules and so many different things that, that you look at it and go, well, that guy's gotta be a Christian. And then my life just inside is so prideful and hateful and I'm not helping anybody and it's all about me. And, and so Paul's looking at it and says, no, 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 I, I don't care about the, what's outside because again, if your life doesn't represent, if you're going to worry about that, then you're going to live by the law. If you want to live by the law, you're going to die by the law. Well, no man can do that. 
No man can sit there and cover all the laws and continue to watch. We had a hard time with just the Ten Commandments, but then they came along, the Jewish people, and added another 613 different laws that they added on to that. How do you do that? We can't even keep the speed limit in this country, much less 623 laws to be able to watch anything. We're going to get in our cars tonight, We're all, today, and we're all going to sin on the way home. It's just that quickly that in the law, you can't do it. Paul says, no, that's not the purpose of what Christ did. Well, why is that? Well, he answers that. He answers in Ephesians 2.14. He says, for he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of the separation having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached to peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. For through him we both have one have access by one spirit and the Father." And again, you say, Kevin, I, I'm kind of lost in everything that you said. Well, verse 15, basically what he's saying is, in verse 15, it says, Through his death on the cross, all the works of the flesh, okay, the laws, the sacrifices, everything man-made that we put upon ourselves, everything that God then required for perfection within your life, at that moment, are gone. They're completely gone. That there is not a separation between Jews and Gentiles. At that moment, he said, no, doesn't mean that we get to go out and just do anything that we want to. Okay, I'm not saying that. There are still righteous ways to live your life. There's still the commandments. There's still a right way to do it. There's still sin within this world. You understand that? So I'm not saying, hey, head out and do whatever you want tonight. There's nothing wrong. No, that's not it. What he's saying is that there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. I'm saying that, that all these men, all these women are together. And everything comes together through Jesus Christ. Because that's why he went to the cross. He went to the cross to say, look, you guys can't do it. You guys are unable to do it. And so therefore, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to bring him out of the sky. And not of the sky, but out of heaven. And to the deity that he was. And he's going to sit there and he's going to walk with you guys. He's going to live a sinless life. Because he's going to be the perfect and ultimate sacrifice to be able to take care of everything. At that moment, we just celebrated Easter. You guys understand this, that the fact that Jesus was then accepted by God to be that sacrifice. The circumcision, well, that's just us in our own flesh trying to be able to work out our own salvation to which is just going to come up as a failure. We can never do that. And Paul says, beware of these people. And he makes fun of them again. He uses the term of the mutilation because... It's mutilation, is it not? So he's sitting there looking at me. He, gives, he calls them dogs. He calls them mutilators. He says, be careful, these Judaizers, when they come into your church, when they come into your sin, when they come around you, you've got to be careful and watch them. Because look, it's not just for Jews. It's for everybody. Everybody is able to and willing. If you're able and willing to get saved, if you've got the faith, then guess what? You can get saved. We're not under the law in that way. Well, why is this important? Again, we move into verse 3. It says, For we are the circumcision, Paul says. We are that. We are the circumcision. Who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Jesus Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. Well, so it's, a, it's, an inward, it's an inward work to be able to show on the outside. Well, how is this done? Well, the first way he says is, one is the worship of God in Spirit. You guys remember the story of, of Jesus and the woman at the well? 
he sits there and he's having a conversation with her and then she finds out, oh, you must be a prophet. And he, oh, I am. And she says, hey, you know what? We, we, my people used to worship on this mountain. But you Jews said, no, you can only do it in Jerusalem. And so Jesus doesn't sit there and go make up a big case against that. And, oh, no, I'm so sorry. He goes, you know what? Let me tell you the truth. And in John 4, he says, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So you say, well, well, what does that mean? And see, again, a lot of times I think what we just think worship is, well, we come in the church, the worship band comes up, we sing four, five, six songs. That's the worship that we have. That's the only worship that we, Kevin, we did worship this morning. What, is that the worship that you're talking about? It's not. That's a form of worship. But worship has so many different ways of doing it. Worship can be just how you live your life. Do you live a life that's honoring God? Why well, I worship God and how I walk. And one of my favorite per- people in the Bible is Enoch way back in Genesis. And he just, he just walked with the Lord. And again, I've said this before. I think he and, and God used to just talk all the time. And they had such a great relationship. It doesn't say that Enoch died. It just says, and Enoch was gone. I think God, the Lord just looked at him and said, man, I love hanging with you. Can you, can, can, can he, I'm just bringing you up here. We're just going to come up to heaven because I just love having a conversation. Enoch just walked and worshiped God every single day in everything that he did. The same thing happens with us. Again, it's, it's not a point where we have to sit in a certain spot and, and I've got to hold my hands in a certain way and I've got to, I close my eyes on the first two songs and I kind of open them on the neck. And there's no specific way to worship God. It's all about your heart. It's about the spirit. It's me coming before the Lord and just and just humbling myself. And Lord, here I am. God, I, I look at you and I'm just in in all of the things that you've created. I'm in all of the way that you've changed my life and and the way that I was heading and and just your influence in me. God, you're just. I love you. I don't know where I would be without you. You're such a good God. And, and it's just a point of, of us speaking and, and having a conversation and in terms of gratitude to God who created everything. Now, are there times when I'm in my car and I'll be honest with you, I can be driving and, man, there's just a great song on. I, I tear up. You know, Kevin, it's not really masculine of you, but, you know, okay. You know, I, I tear up for the Lord. I do. And it's just sit there and I'm just like, that's, Lord, that's exactly how I feel about you. Thank you so much. Is that just for pastors? Is that just for, for, no, it's, it's for all of us. All of us that are willing to, to humble and to, to place our hearts down and, and just be prostrate before the Lord and just say, God, thank you so much. That's how we worship. We don't worship by the flesh and by the actions that we have to do. We, we get to do those things. We honor the Lord in the things that we do. Well, the next thing is, is how we, we are the circumcision is, is we rejoice in the Lord. No, it's not saying, hey, uh, praise the Lord. You know, you hear the people all the time that, you know, oh, I, you know, hit my thumb. Praise the Lord. You know, I got coffee today. Praise the Lord. Every, everything's praise the Lord. Or after every sentence is praise the Lord. I mean, you can't be that much praising the Lord. You know what I mean? Saying in real life, it's just, it's not that. And I think sometimes when we do that, we're actually dishonoring the Lord because now it's praise the Lord is turned into a comma. You know, it's just something, oh, praise the Lord. And, and you're like, are you even thinking? Are you even thinking about God at that moment when you say that? But, but real rejoicing comes in when you, when you start looking at your life and you start looking at the circumstances and the situations that you're in. And, and it's just, again, it's rejoicing in God. 
Again, it's not a fake rejoice. I don't look at the Negrados with, with the loss of their daughter. You know, that day when they found out, it wasn't, hey, rejoice in the Lord, praise God. It wasn't that. That was them falling on their knees and God, I, what happened? Why, why would you allow that to happen? And as the time continues, and, and then that gives the Lord the opportunity to, to come into them, and as they continue to still just praise God and, and worship Him on their knees and just through their, their tears, and, and, and the worship there for them was the fact that their tears are for God as they're crying out to Him. Why? Because Kevin can't give them the words that help them, and their friends up there can't give them the words that only God is the one that's able to minister to them. So a month from now, and six months from now, and a year from now, and ten years from now, the rejoicing in the Lord is the fact that I I went through a terrible time. I was in the valley of the shadow of death. We always use that for funerals, but but the rest of that is I will fear no evil. Why? Because my God is there with me. And as they look back at that time and and they look at that and and as tears come down their face again and they just they worship God and they rejoice. Because my God didn't leave me. I don't know why it happened and I don't know why he would allow it to happen. But I know God didn't leave me. And he was able to just, just cling to me. And, and I saw on Facebook one day, he was earlier this week, and you know he was just talking about how you, know, you always get those cappuccinos and stuff like that and they make little pictures and stuff like that in there. And uh, he's like, I've, I've drank coffee the last 40 some years of my life. And, and there was a heart in his coffee as he was preparing the information for to speak at it, his daughter's, you know, celebration of life. And it's just a heart there. Now to you and I in the world, they might go, oh, that's just a, that's just a coincidence, man. You know, they just, they make that stuff all the time. But at that moment, as he was crying out to the Lord, trying to put pen to paper of the things of his daughter, he knew that the Lord touched him. The Lord was there for him. And so again, as we rejoice, we don't look upon those things and just, and just shrug them off. No, we cling to those things. I rejoice when God speaks to me. I rejoice when God works in my life. I rejoice when God is, is, is pruning me and plucking me and, and making me stronger. Why? Because I know He cares for me. Again, how are we the circumcision? Well, well we have no confidence in this flesh thing that the, the Judaizers are trying to say that we have to do. Paul said in Romans seven eighteen, he says, For I know that in me, that is my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, is, is but now how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. The evil that I don't want to do, that I practice. You guys ever struggle with that? You're like, man, there's things that I really want to do and I'm just, I've told you before, I'm just lazy. I just don't do them. You know, I'm like, gosh, I just really wanted to do that. But the things I don't want to do, I evidently I'm not lazy for those things. And I end up doing those things and I'm like, oh my goodness, what is wrong with me? Kevin, you know better than to do that. And then I feel better knowing that at least Paul struggled with the same thing. You know, like Paul's like here on the little totem pole as far as Christianity. Kevin's like way down here. But I look at that and go, well, at least Paul struggled with it. And it's just me, you know? And it's beautiful because then he goes on in verse 24. He says, oh, wretched man that I am. He calls himself wretched. He's like, oh, my goodness, it's me. What? Oh, who will deliver me this body from death? Who's going to deliver our bodies from death? I thank God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. It's through Jesus again. So, again, it's not a point where I can I can just trudge through and, and I can just make things happen with him. I'm weak. 
I'm unable to do those things. I'm going to fall and I'm going to stumble and I'm going to just blow it. People are going to look at me and go, it was Kevin was, well, I thought he was that guy. Yeah, Kevin's a sinner. Paul says, well, I'm just going to tell you right now, man, if if somebody was going to be able to do something like that, it, it would have been me, though. I mean, if anybody here could have done it, it would have been Paul. And he goes on and <clears throat> moves on in, in verse 4. He says, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. And he's kind of getting a little cocky here, I think, at times, too. But it, but he's not being prideful in that way. He's just stating facts. Okay, so if you Judaizers want to come in here, or somebody wants to call out this out and say, well, you just didn't have the credentials, Paul's about to say, I'm, I've got the credentials. I, I could have done it. You see, though, though I have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. I, I, I'll do you. I don't care who you are. You're going to come in here. I've got, I've got more. And circumcised on the eighth day? Well, by law, you had to be circumcised on the eighth day, right? Paul says, check. He says, the stock of Israel? See, I'm not a mix. I, I, I don't have any Greek in me. I don't have any Roman in me. I got none of that stuff. See, my mom and my dad, perfect. They were pure, they were just, they were just Jewish. It, boom, there. I, I, it's me. I'm of pure bread. The tribe of Benjamin? Well, the tribe of Benjamin was one of the, the, the premier tribes to be part of. See, one of, it was one of Jacob's children from Rachel. Remember that? Joseph and, Ra- Joseph, you know, the, uh, coat of many colors. He came, see, Paul's saying, I came from a noble line and, and the tribe of Benjamin remained loyal to David's line. When Solomon took over and died and then the, 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 the Israel split, there was ten that were on one side, two that were, Benjamin was one of the two that stayed loyal to David's line. He says, man, it's, I'm a tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrew. As a man, he maintained the family traditions. As a man, he grew up and he stayed within the traditions. Again, living in, in a Greek area, he could have very well slipped off to the side and gone to Greek schools. He could have gone to all this stuff. I, I, you know, I, well, I'm in the area. I might as well just learn what their, their culture's life and, and start speaking their language and, and kind of, you know, taking on a little bit of Greek. I mean, he says, no, 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 no. That didn't happen to me. Remember, he left and he studied underneath the, one of the premier, um, uh, Bible scholars of their time. Acts 26, 4 says, all the Jews know the manner which I have lived in. You can, you can talk to anybody. And they'll say, yeah, Paul, Saul at the time, you know, and then he went, you know, Christian on us. He, he, back when he was Saul, yeah, that guy, that guy, he was, he was legit. He was true. Concerning the law, man, I was a Pharisee. I, I had attained the highest possible way. I was, I was so staunch in my beliefs that even within the, the Jewish culture, I was part of an elite part, and even that, I was rising up in that. Paul says, man, uh, me? Yeah, the current of the law, I was, I was the Pharisee. Concerning zeal? Concerning zeal, I persecuted the church. Acts 9, remember, he was trying to get rid of Christianity. He said, so there were some that talked about it, I actually did it. I was out there. Again, I don't know how many nightmares he had regarding that. Of just the actions that he had taken against Christ's church. As to righteousness, man, again, I'm blameless. Now, blameless doesn't mean that he was sinless. Blameless means that in the the actions that he had to take as a as a Jewish leader as a Pharisee that he man he kept all of the laws. I didn't sweat on those Sabbath days. 
I didn't do things that I wasn't supposed to do. No, that wasn't me. I'm, I'm blameless. And I dare you to bring somebody in here that can say something else than that. So Paul goes over his resume and he's like, look, I, I was the man. There was nobody better than me. So you bring in your Judaizers, you bring in all that stuff. And I'm just telling you right now, it just falls short. You say, well, Kevin, well, well, how does that kind of work with us? Well, I say today, maybe some of you guys are Martha's. Maybe you're so caught up into the, well, this has got to get done by this time, and, and this work has got to get done this, and we've got to have this, and, and we've got to do this over here, and, and this has got to get done for church, and this has got to get done within my life, and I've got to wake up, and I've got to do the two you version, you know, just, uh, Bible studies, and then I've got to, you know, I've got to spend exactly 12 minutes in my prayer time. I mean, all these things that we just pile upon ourselves in our life. Why? Because I've got to have the perfect image as far as Christianity. I'm going to work out my salvation. So God looks upon me and says, well, Kevin is great. Man, the guy spends some time in the morning with us. He kind of prays to us every day. He does this. He helps the elderly cross the road. I mean, this guy is awesome. We can't bring up, nobody can bring up anything negative about Kevin. And God says, I I can. You see, because he's not... He's, he needs to be a Mary. He doesn't worship me though. He doesn't, he doesn't, yeah, he prays, but he's not, he's not prostate before me. He's not like James, my, my brother that, you know, again, when he used to call him camel knees because he just, his, he was on the ground praying so much that he just, he just called out to God all the time and was just in prayer and, and fervently and just, you see Kevin's heart just, it's kind of cold. We see that in different, you know, areas of Christianity and different, you know, forms of it. And, and so it's so formality and so staunch and so rigid that sometimes you kind of, you forget that there's a, there's a spirit behind it. Remember? We're the circumcision. We worship God in spirit. It's not just the fact that I can, I can notch off and tell you everything, all that single thing that I've done that my, you know, that you version says that Kevin's been on his Bible app the last 118 days, you know what I mean? You know, and, and making sure that, oh, I wake up at 1130 to make sure I didn't go on my Bible today. I got to make sure I get my little click, you know, to make sure it goes up to 119. It's a point that no, I, I need to be Mary and just, when Jesus walks in, I just fall at his feet. Why? Because I, I just want to be with him. I just want to cling to Christ. Paul says, I, I learned that. Well, when did he learn it? We move into verse 7. He says, but what things were gained to me, all these things that I accomplished, all these things that I had worked so hard for, all these things where I, I was trying to serve God, man, all these things, I've, I've counted them for lost for Christ. Everything that I've earned and all my checklist and, and my resume that I could just pull out at any point and, and give to somebody, man, I, I counted loss. Why? Because back in Acts, you know, there's this one day I'm, I'm heading off and I'm going to go and, and persecute and kill some Christians, man, and I'm just excited about it. And, and, and I have this vision and, and Christ just comes and he blinds me. And he asks me, why, why are you persecuting me? I go, who is this? It's me, Jesus. And at that moment, I realized that, that he blinded me there physically, but I've been blinded my whole life. I've been blinded because when I thought that I was serving God is, is, is just a loss because I really was just searching for Jesus. And at that moment, Jesus just, he changed my life radically. 
And in this, this murderer and this killer and this person who separated families and, and just tortured people, it was, it was, I just sad. Why? Because I, I count it for loss now. He looks at his life and, and everything that he'd worked for and everything that he had, he had strived for and, and, and trying to move up the corporate ladder as far as, you know, the church at that time. And he looks at it and goes, man, it's, it's, it's for loss. It just means nothing. And so many times we as Christians, we sit there and we, we try to continue to, to find out and try to work and try to figure things out. And there's just a time where you just, you just gotta give it to God. And Kevin, I'm searching and I'm trying and, and okay, I, again, it's not a point where you just sit in your chair and, well, I prayed, Lord's gonna save me today, you know, from whatever. No, there's an action that has to take place. But there's a point where you just have to understand that it's still God. God, are you there? God, where do you want me to go today? God, what is it that you want me to do? Lord, where are you at and how can I find you? Paul knows that Jesus literally changed his heart. He changed everything about him. Verse 7 again, it says, But things, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted for loss for Christ. It was in verse 8 and it says, Yet indeed I count, I also count all things for lice, loss. For the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ. And the excellence here is, is a, it's a surpassing worth. There, there's nothing more that you could have, you nothing you could have given Paul to make him renounce Christ. Why? Because it's the excellence of knowing Christ. It's just, it's, it's beyond anything that you can possibly imagine. It's surpassing all worth and just the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and, and the fact of what he had done for me in my life. And if you want to know what a saved person is, this Paul is a saved person. I mean, if you're able to make a statement like that and genuinely mean it, I guarantee you you are a saved person. Paul got it. Paul said, I don't care about it. It's just, it's just Jesus of just the excellence of knowing him. And man, I wake up in the morning and I, I spend time in prayer and every single one that letter that he writes, he just, and continuously in all my prayers, I lift you up. Paul just are being a praying man, just like Jesus was. And just continuing to, to lift others up and just, just drawing closer to, to, to Christ and just, God, how, how can I possibly serve you better today? I just want to know you better today than I did yesterday. Lord, what are we doing? How can I serve this, this, this city that I'm in? How can I bless them? How can I, how can I do things for them that, that they'll just know that it was you? Paul says, just the excellence of knowing you. I count everything for loss. And Paul states that for, for this Jesus, for this Jesus, man, I, I've suffered the loss of everything. Paul, Paul lost it all. And, and that's a scary thought, is it not? And whatever that you have, and some of us maybe have two nickels, and some of us maybe a lot more than that, but, but wherever we're at, and your, your family, and your relations, and, and so right now, Paul's looking at it and go, I, I've, I lost it all. I, I'm not just talking about my resume, and, and the fact of, of my family that I can't see anymore. And, and we believe Paul was married, and we don't hear that at all. Did he lose his wife because of it? He lost all of his friends. They were, they're all gone. You know, money, he didn't have anything. He's just being a tent maker sometime and then, you know, once in a while a church would just bless him and give him, help him out. 
He, and he didn't like go out and then buy a boat, you know, with it or something like that. He just lived off that for a while and was just ministering more. And then when he ran out of money, he would just go and be a tent maker again. And so that's kind of scary for us, is especially if you when you're younger. You know, I struggled with that when in my faith when I was first saved. Is that you know I only had non-Christian friends. I mean, you know, so like it's not like we all headed from the bar and then went to church and got saved and we're all hanging out together. Well, it didn't happen like that. You know, it doesn't typically happen that way. And so then it's like, well, well, what do I do? Who would I hang with? I I don't want to lose my friends because that's what am I going to do? I got nobody to hang with tonight. I don't know what to go and what to do and what what is my life now? My life was defined in the things that I used to do and I don't know who I am. And maybe today some of you guys and the Lord's just knocking on your heart and saying, man, there, there's some changes that need to happen here. You have to be willing to lose it all for Christ. Remember we talked about the, the World Series of Poker and just the fact that it there gets to a point and you know they're they're gambling and stuff like that. Now don't go out and gamble, I'm not saying that, but it just they're they're sitting there and at some point they just there's a guy who'll get all juiced up and stuff like that, you know, like they I never knew poker was action packed, but but he'll sit there and he'll stand up and the crowd will start clapping and he'll just push the chips in, you know? And he's got his sunglasses on because nobody can see his eyes and tell when he's giving anything away. But he's got his hat on backwards down. And he, he pushes all the chips in and everybody's like, woo! And he's like doing this, you know? He's moving around. He's all jacked up. The same thing has to happen with us. That in your life, you've got to sit there and, and go, Lord, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. But you know what? Um, and I tell you what, if you if you were to stand up and you were to get all jacked up about, man, Lord, I, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do it, Lord. I'm, I'm going to push the chips in. I tell you, there's angels in heaven that are just like, woo! Look at him go. He's giving it to Christ. He's going to do it. Is that you? Are you willing? To finally, maybe the Lord has just been calling on you and He's been knocking at your heart and, and maybe you're a Christian here today. I mean, it's believers too as we walk through our life and, and then finally we just realize that at that moment, God, are you, I, I've been walking with you. I've been stumbling along and I've been doing things, but Lord, I, I have been holding back. See, I've got this house that you, in my body and, and well, I've, I've kept a couple doors closed. I'm not allowing you to go in those doors. Why? Because that's where I keep my stuff. And Christ says, man, I, I want to clean you. I want to make you whole. And see, I can't make you whole if you continue to, to hold off certain areas of your, of your life from me and where you're just like, hey, Kevin, I, 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 I just, Kevin, can you go on to a different topic? I can't. And see, because because Paul understands the fact of what is happening here is that at some point he thought, I, I believe honestly that Paul the whole time just wanted to serve God. That's all that he wanted to do in his life. And then he realized at some point that when Jesus came to him that, man, I'm serving the wrong way. And when Jesus touched him, he radically changed 180 degrees. He didn't slow off. He didn't pull off the gas pedal. He didn't. Go, Paul was still 100 miles an hour. But now he's just heading in the right direction. Maybe some of you this morning, the Lord looks at you and says, I, I want the rest of you today. I, I want to, I want to pull you out of what the world is trying to tell you and lie to you. And, and I want to put you in, a, in the right direction of life so that, man, yes, you can serve me, but I've got so much better planned for you. 
Got so many more opportunities for you in your life than what you're you're just allowing to just happen and just and just kind of meander through life. Alan Redpath said one day he was he was had been saved by a coworker of his and um, he was an accountant over in England and um, he uh, had been saved and and so about a year later the guy had left the job and he came back in town and they had lunch together. Alan Redpath was big pastor in England. He was head of Moody Bible College there for a while and um, he uh, he said, "Hey, how are you doing?" And they're sitting there talking and you know Alan's like trying to tell him all the great things that he's doing and. And finally, his, his friend looked at him and said, Hey, can I, can I just tell you something? You can have a saved life. That's a wasted life. You can have a saved life, but a wasted life. And Alan looked at him and he goes, Look, I gotta go because there's a, a waiter over there that needs to hear about Jesus. And I, I gotta go. It was great talking to you. And Alan was like, I can't believe he just said that to me. My life's not wasted. Because the Alan was still, he was still in the world. I mean, yeah, he was still saved, but he was still kind of doing things that he shouldn't be doing. And he knew that he just wasn't, wasn't giving it all to the Lord. And said, oh, I'd show him. And he left and he got on the train and he said, it was amazing that they played the same song all the way home. He said, every time that train would just hit another track, it was save life, wasted life, save life, wasted life, save life, wasted life. He said, I'd go to a bar with my friends and they're just playing the same song all the time. Save life, wasted life. Save life, wasted life. And Paul's sitting here saying, look, for the excellence of Christ, I don't want my life to be wasted. I've told you guys before too, in this church or anything that I do in my life, I don't want to look back and and think that I just missed the opportunity for something for Jesus. That's just not my purpose of here. There's just something inside me of just, it just desires to have and to do more, not for Kevin. Again, like I've joked around, I don't want a big statue of Kevin somewhere and you know, like that in a Bible in my hand. I don't want that. I want people to know that, man, when I, I don't remember the guy's name, but man, I remember Jesus and just the love that would continue to come out of him. Paul said, man, I, I left everything behind because I didn't care because it was only about Christ and him crucified. Matthew thirteen forty four says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like the treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid and for the joy over it for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field and again the kingdom of heaven is is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who when he had found one pearl of great price went and sold all that he had and bought it are you willing to sell everything that you have and give everything up for Christ well kevin i've got a a, a relationship Oh, Kevin, I've got some desires for money. I've got a job. Are you willing to put everything on the table for Christ? Maybe he still wants you to have that relationship. I'm not saying that. But is it is it on the table? I had a conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago, and the same thing is just praying through something and saying, look, I'm willing to put something on the table. I really don't want to. But I want to pray through it and know it's exactly what God wants from me. I just, I want to have the opportunity to know that the Lord is behind what, what is happening. You have to be willing to do that wherever you're at in your life. I'll try to be quick here. And it says, and backing up in eight and moving on, it says, yet indeed I will also, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, 
for whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Again, not my righteousness. It's all about Christ and, and Him. And, and again, it's not through my own flesh and the things that I'm able to do. And we talked about that as far as the circumcision and, and just my works being able to do anything. It's only done through Christ. It's only done through faith. And again, we've learned that in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It says, and not in faith of my own. Christ, God even gave it to me for the faith to believe in Him. I can't claim any of this stuff. Verse 10 says, I want to know His power and His resurrection. Having just a couple months ago and having um, the Easter service and just knowing the, 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 the sacrifice that He was willing to make so that He was able to conquer death. His resurrection. That it was done through Him. And the fellowship of His sufferings and, and the cross and the beatings that everything was that Christ was able to do. Well, Paul says, hey, look, I've got another resume that I can give you. See, so there, there in 2 Corinthians 11, it says, are, are there ministers who, of Christ? I speak as a fool, saying I, I, I diminish myself a little bit here. He says, I, I'm more than them. Again, I don't think Paul being completely cocky here, but just, again, setting the, the, the stage, he says, I am more. And labors more abundant, and stripes above measure. He's beaten so many times, and prisons more frequently than them, and deaths often. He had died. From the Jews five times I received forty stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Man, I spent a night and a day in the sea. Journeys often. Perils of water. Perils of robbers. Perils of my own countrymen. Perils of the Gentiles, perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils among false brethren, and weariness and toil and sleeplessness often, and hunger and thirst and fasting often, and cold and nakedness besides the other things which <laughs> what comes upon me daily. My deep concern for all churches. Paul sits there and says, look, yeah, you've heard about some of the other stuff and all, but these are just, and that's just the things that happen. That's what I'm not talking about every, Stuff happens to me every day, but you know, whatever, I'm used to that. Paul says, but I, that I might just be a part of what Christ did for me. And again, I'm not saying that we need to go out and pursue to get beat up. You know, I mean, again, don't be a jerk for Jesus and go get in a fight and get beat up for him or something like I'm not saying go pursue that kind of stuff. Okay, just because just you get beaten, again, that's in the flesh. It doesn't make you any higher or, or more righteous than anybody else, anybody else. But are, are you willing at least? Are you, again, willing to be a living sacrifice for him? Are you willing to be anybody? Again, I think it would be easier to be a martyr because you just die once and you go to heaven, but to, to actually live for Christ, to be able to every single day to be a sacrifice for him, to be willing to die for him. Verse 11 says, if, if by some means to obtain the rapture and the resurrection and and if by some means it doesn't, he's not being, you know, there's no doubting in this. It's just more of a, it's more of a being a humble in it too. Again, Paul being humble and saying, man, if, if by any means that I can obtain the rapture. You guys know what the rapture is. It's a, it's a point in 1 Corinthians 15. It's us talks that at some point there will be a, a, we'll hear a trumpet sound. 
you know, and we're out of here. We're gone. We get to go home. And this, this corruptible body is replaced with an incorruptible body. We get heavenly bodies, and then hopefully hair loss won't matter at that point, or we won't have to go work out, or we won't have to eat properly, and all that other stuff, okay? I mean, all that stuff will be gone. I won't ache in the morning, and, you know, and... You know, it's sad as the other day I was showing Russ, my brother-in-law, kind of some of the stuff that Josh is doing, and and <laughs> I hurt my back just showing him what I was, what he was doing. I was like, my gosh, man, this is just terrible. I mean, like, you know, seriously, Lord, you know, but... 13, 14, man, I didn't hurt. I just, or if I hurt the next day, I felt like 100%. Christians, how are you guys living out your salvation? Today, how are you living it out? Are, are you looking at the Judaizers of, and maybe it's not somebody that's come into your life, maybe it's just yourself. Maybe it's your own flesh that says, hey, I, I, I'm not, I'm just not doing it right. And again, not doing it right means that you're, you're working out a formula to be able to be closer to the Lord, but are you, are there areas of your life that you've just kind of held Christ out of? And God, I, I don't want to give up that sin. I don't want to give up that relationship or, or that opportunity. And, and I, I kind of want to live the way that I want to live, but I still want to get to heaven. And Christ says, well, I, I didn't die for that. You know, Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives inside of me, right? Things I no longer do those other things. I, I'm living for Him. It means that I have to take a, a self-evaluation of myself and I have to be able to say, Lord, well, what is it that you want me to do? And again, it's not, again, for, for your own praise. It's for the excellence of knowing who Christ is. Last year, that was one of my Bible verses for the year. It's just Again, it just was a reminder of if whatever that I'm doing, the things that I'm seeking out, the, 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 the striving that I'm trying to be as a man... Is it for the excellence of knowing Christ better? When I'm speaking to my wife or I'm speaking to my kids or I'm at work, is it for the excellence of knowing Christ? And that's a challenge for you guys this week. As, as, as you, you walk into your back into your world as we leave here in a few minutes and is it the excellence of Christ? Am I, am I willing to look at those things of the past and count them as loss? Count them as dung is actually the, the actual word. And dung is, is dung, as you guys know, and it's not something that you would have in your life, is it? I mean, you, you typically clean those things out and you, you wash that stuff out of your life and out of your house and wherever you're at, you don't have dung hanging around. It's a point that you have to look at your own life and go, this is not good for me. This is bad. Why? Because I, I, I need to count this for loss and I need to be able to, to pursue the excellence of who Jesus Christ is. Amen? Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com 
or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.